Assalamualaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq El and you can keep up with us on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. Use that same username to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours at, at Radio Islam USA. So make sure that you subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share. Don't forget to share. We want to thank our sponsors, Recycle Processes, for their continued support. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And with that, I am really happy to get into another movie talk segment where me and my brother Bubba Murray get to talk about all those uh, those series, those films, those movies, everything. Generally, you, you should be able to check it out on a streaming site. So welcome, Bubba. Good to be here. Good to be talking about some quality entertainment. But, you know, we can't talk about anything until oh. we do it. Oh, here we go. Here we until go. Until we do it. Here we, we go, my to, favorite part. We have to let you newbies know. If you didn't know, now you know. You will know who Bubba Murray is. He is an award-winning writer, director, hailing from Oak Park, Illinois. His background includes receiving the ABC Writing Fellowship, writing for Desperate Housewives, participating in the NBC Diversity Scene Showcase twice, and being accepted into the Fox Writing Initiative. His short film, Robox, won the Best Children's Film at the 2017 International Black Film Festival. And in 2018, his film, Awake, debuted at the Windy City Film Festival and was also seen at the Chicago Horror Fest Ed was just seen. Where it? Uh, in Lake Geneva at their uh, horror film festival. And, you know, f- right around here for Halloween. So uh, we had a really great response. So I'm happy about that. Okay. Not surprised at all. And uh, it's definitely time for the uh, stuff that gets people jumping and, you know, squirming in their seats. Oh, that. yeah. Yeah. That, that audience is, is alive and well right now. Now, today, you and I are getting into, uh, I guess, the third iteration of Watchmen. Uh, so it went from a graphic novel to the big screen, and now HBO has a, uh, has a series helmed by Regina King uh, and, and some other notable folks. We'll yes. get into, yeah. right? um, so first thing I got to ask, how important is it for folks to be kind of embedded in the graphic novel before they see this, or, uh, or can they see this kind of standalone? So uh, you just jumping off, you can definitely see this as a standalone feature mm-hmm. or standalone uh, project, but it helps you to get yourself immersed and understand some of the background if you either see the movie or or read the graphic novel, especially the graphic novel, because there are some references in the television show from the first episode that refer back to the graphic novel that you're not going to find in the movie. Okay. So uh, it's really dense, and it's, uh, it's for, when I say dense, I mean the creators of this show really did a lot of hard work to make a very detailed background. And just so you know, um, one of the creators is a guy by the name of Damon uh, Lindelof, and he did lost so if you're familiar oh, really? with the show okay. lost yeah and how that was sort of like mind-bending blew everybody's mind this is, watchman goes along that path okay so uh let's talk about construction right uh, uh let's let's get let's get in front of the camera right who do, who are we looking at i mentioned already uh regina king who i've got to say before we mention anybody else is one of my absolute favorites i think she does not get the credit she deserves she's had such um a long right long career i mean longevity is like her middle name going back to 
some of you younger folks, if you're listening, you you, you don't know anything about two two seven. You know, Brenda. Yeah, right. Uh, Calvin. Boys in the Hood, mm. right? Um, I mean, you could just rattle off a bunch of stuff. And what was what was the Netflix series uh, that she seven was on? seconds? Okay, and I mean, I think didn't she? I think she got an Emmy for that. Yes. Yeah, I, I think so too. So uh, prove us wrong, people. No. <laughs> yeah, no. But the thing, no, and I agree. I mean, from two to seven, I mean, she's she does comedy, she does drama. She yeah. is really a, a great anchor for this show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, for you Boondocks fans, you know her as the voice of Riley and Huey, right? Just, just, just genius work. Okay. Now we also have uh, within the cast some notable names: Louis Gossett Jr. You know, been around forever. Uh, Jeremy Irons, the voice of Scar in the original oh, yes. Lion King. Uh, Don Johnson. Nash Bridges in Miami Vice. For, <laughs> yes. for, for, for me, he's always going to be Miami Vice, I guess, generally. But at least he's staying in his cop lane. You know, he's always yeah. playing some type of good cop. Yeah. And for me, because I didn't watch Nash Bridges, uh, I didn't watch Nash Bridges. I did not know that he really had. Uh, comedic timing, and, and I found that out in Django. Right, right. right. But um, but was that on display also in Nash Bridges? Oh, the the com- the comedy was definitely again Nash Bridges buddy comedy show mm-hmm. with Cheech Marin. Okay. So you know Don Johnson's got to hold his own with Cheech if you know Cheech and Chong. Right. So yeah, <laughs> he he was well suited uh, for that. But it's nice to see again he was able to bring some humor and the drama to this show too. Mm-hmm. And uh, last name, I guess we can throw out there, Tim Blake Nelson. If uh, for you Netflix streamers, you saw him in the first vignette of, uh, what was it? The Ballad of Buster, Buster Scruggs. Scruggs. And he was Buster Scruggs. And, uh, and also from the Coen, it was the Coen Brothers film. Um, oh, Brother, where are they? Yeah, oh, with uh, uh, George Clooney and John Turturro. And also uh, John Goodman. Yeah, and how do I keep forgetting about John? Well, Goodman? he was well. Those guys were the brothers, and then John Goodman was the the, the, yeah, the, the cyclops, guy. let's say. Yeah, yeah, but um, but but I always, I'm always happy to see him in in the you know in the cast. So so Regina really anchors this thing, right? When I first saw the first preview for it, and I saw her, I'm thinking, whoa, wow! Like she's, I assumed that she was a background. Yeah, or, yeah, I thought, or I thought she was just a solid part of an ensemble piece. Because, yeah, yeah, you, think, you know, yeah, I'm expecting yeah. to see a whole lot of characters. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree with you. Once I got into this, I mean, she is carrying the load on this show. Yeah, yeah, she's she's a top villain. Now, what are some of the things? So, so what we see is we have uh, a, a couple of themes that are th- th- being conveyed throughout this the first couple of episodes that we've been able to see. Um, they start out paying, uh, I don't want to say homage, but, but really showing a piece of history that acknowledgement, most, yeah. yeah, acknowledgement. Yeah. I think that's the proper, uh, term acknowledging a truly traumatic, uh, event in our nation's history that most people don't even know about. Right. And we're talking about the, the Tulsa massacre. Uh, it's kind of sanitized. If you look in, uh, Wikipedia, and it'll say the Tulsa race riots, but it was really a massacre. Yeah, and this happened in the, I think it was 1921? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, Yeah. so, and again, the, 
one of the largest, or if not the largest, again, uh, just for lack of a better term, execution of black people uh, by the by white people in this country. Yeah, yeah. They destroyed 40 square blocks. This is Black Wall Street. If, if you've ever heard about Black Wall Street, uh, this is what... Uh, this is the, the the place they were talking about. Uh, they had a number of hospitals. They had movie theaters, a professional class. You know all of you know the dentist and you know all, all of the, st- the stuff that you associate with a thriving community, uh, schools, and you know their own economy. That is basically that is what it was. It was their own thriving economy, and it was burnt to the ground. It was air bombed. It was uh, you know th- its citizens were executed uh there were from what i understand about ten thousand people that were Mm. displaced and and then just going along with how they how they brought that in 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 the watchman world Mm -hmm. it's it's science fiction but it's it's an alternate reality yeah so when it was originally when, when the when the book originally came out or the graphic novel it was in the 80s so you were you were thinking about the Russians, Red Scare, uh, Reagan. Now, in this world, the the main president or the leader of our free world mm-hmm. was Richard Nixon. Right. So that world went down a real conservative bend. And so now uh, this show picks up in modern day time, approximately 30 years after the end of Watchmen. So I bring that up because they... The writers take some real uh, occurrences, you know, some historical points, and then they twist it to right. see how, you know, what direction would it go in. So, get, so that takes us back to the, the Tulsa riots. Mm-hmm. And this is the jumping off point. And it takes us to today where we've been having discussions, especially around the, the liberal world, about reparations. Yeah. So that's... So the idea of reparations, or how would you actually uh, implement the proceed, implement that policy, that's front and center here in Watchmen. Mm-hmm. And then it brings people into two different camps: people who who are more liberal and for it, and those who are against it or don't benefit from it and feel that they are being ostracized for it. And and, and again, the show takes place in Tulsa, right. so these type of reparations are. Well, as they call it in the show, Redfordations. Yeah, Redfordations. With yeah. because Robert Redford is president in this mm-hmm. world, and you know that totally slipped past me. Um, and I should warn you, folks. Uh, spoiler alert. Oh, we, yes. we 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 may just have to just change the segment name to Spoiler Alert, it, uh, or at least, <laughs> at least just have uh, a, a disclaimer automatically. Right, because we're, we're spoiling everything. Like I said, it's like like milk on a. On a hot plate, it's going to be spoiled. <laughs> it's done. It's done. So yeah, but when I that first scene, the classroom scene, mm-hmm. I mean, I saw the presidents on the wall, the poster, and I saw Nixon, and I think it was somebody else on there. It was a couple of other guys. It, on It there was as well. uh, Lincoln. It was Washington, Lincoln, uh, Nixon, and then sort of fuzzy Robert Redford. Yeah, and that's an interesting uh, crew to have up, you know, together. Uh, from I mean, you can understand Washington and Lincoln, but then Nixon. Hmm. Interesting. And really interesting. And then Robert Redford, who I totally missed. So obviously, uh, Robert Redford in this alternate reality as president tackled one of the 
biggest and long-standing uh, conversations that we've had or that most people don't even want to have, you know, around reparations. Right, and, and, and in today's vocabulary, he would represent the liberal elite. Yeah. Because he's a liberal president, and then a lot of the people, some of the people who feel like they are being disenfranchised are your conservatives. And, and that's one of the things about this, what I liked about Watchmen. Yeah. They are, this is an indictment or an investigation or whatever you want to say, or a critique on, you know, racism today mm-hmm. and both ends of the political spectrum. So it's not necessarily a pro-conservative uh, message or a pro-liberal message, but it's just, it's really just a big what if. And because both sides are very flawed in this. So I just wanted to throw that out. Yeah. Now, there are a few things that you need to know about this alternate reality. This is a reality where uh, the, the, the Tulsa, the massacre, it, ha- it has happened. Uh, they've responded to it. And now, and, and help us fill in some of the blanks oh, sure on this, uh, Bubba, but we've come to a point now where our law enforcement, or the law enforcement there, and I don't know if this is something that's just specific to Tulsa, or if this is a nationwide phenomenon, but the law enforcement police there uh, are able to obfuscate their faces. They can uh, they can cover up their faces. They don't have to have their identity known. Right. So so they wear masks, and so they the, and this is where we say it might be helpful to do a little research on the show. Yeah. Because. In the history, they had something called the White Knight, and it was a Christmas Eve. And on Christmas Eve, I think it was about six years before the show takes place, Okay. a group of white nationalists known as the Cavalrymen, I believe, yeah. they staged a coordinated attack on all known members of the local police department and killed everybody except about three people survived. Mm-hmm. And so from that point on, they made sure that the masked vigilantes could not wear masks, but the only people who now are allowed to wear masks are the police officers. Mm-hmm. And in this show, you'll find that I think the upper level police officers, they get to be more creative in the masks that they wear. Yeah. Rather than the, your your normal beat cop is just wearing like, it looks like a yellow uh, scarf or, or a turtleneck pulled up over their face. Yeah. yeah. But then let's say your captains your or your detectives. lieutenants. They, they all have a persona. So, in fact, we're, we are going to see some, we should expect to see some new uh, Halloween costumes based on this because Regina King's character is yeah. Night Sister. Right. And she's just a... She is raw. She is, she looks like a nun who who's ready for business. Mm-hmm. But a, a masked nun who's ready to fight. So, yeah, that's... You that's think she looks like a... Okay, so that leather, that leather trench coat that she's wearing. Well... That's there's one episode where you could see her rosary beads. Ah. So she she carries rosary beads. Oh, the, and that's why she was referred to one of the guys said this, this black nun yes. came in. Yeah. Cuz again, it was I had to pick that up. I, I didn't know what they were talking about, but yeah, she's dressed as a nun. The she has sort on. of a habit going on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that that look for that costume on Halloween. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. So, um yeah, so this is the reality that we're in. The police have to hide their faces uh, because they were targeted, right? And um, and that that that's a really interesting space to be in. Also, in contrast to the whole, uh, if you contrast it with the Black Lives Matter movement, yeah. Um, and 
And then, of course, the Blue Lives Matter, not necessarily a movement, but a response to it, you know, saying that police are people, too, and the lives of police officers uh, matter. And to kind of take them out of the put them in a position of being uh, endangered, you know, where their lives are actually being not just the idea of being threatened, but they've gone through, you know, a, 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 a systematic and a coordinated attack. That that definitely does put them in a different uh, different space. It's a different conversation. And, and I think throughout this episode, you'll see little elements. Again, the, at least the first episode, they're just setting the scene. You see a lot of responses to the world. Yeah. Um, it, when we when we're again we're early on, we're we open to a classroom, and Regina King is is explaining how she. She, she started a bakery, which is a front for what she does. Right. Uh, but one of the students says, did you pay for that with red fredations? <laughs> what you learned through the show was that when they refer to red fredations, which are these reparations, it's a pejorative. It's very negative when yeah. you talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in fact, it prompts Regina King's son. Yes. To who's in the classroom to run across the room and knock out the boy who said it. Her son, who's, who's, a, who's a white boy. Yes. Uh, 11-year-old white boy, mm-hmm. who is uh, another another spoiler uh, spoiler alert. She was, he's the child of a former, um, I guess, colleague, you know, somebody, uh, another police officer who died uh, during the white night. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, you see how this tragedy brings people together. But uh, a lot of... But a, a lot of the reactions, the these racial overtones, in a sense, it's like they invented a new, new slang, a new, a new uh, angst for yeah. this show. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy uh, what they what they have done to uh, or with race, because you have this black couple with white children, right? And I was waiting for an explanation. To get, you know, figure out, and they waited. They from. waited a while yeah. to give it to you. Yeah, they did. And then to have the uh, the suspects, these are, for the most part, you would say disenfranchised whites, right? They're living in a what is it, Nixonville? Yes. Yeah, so and it basically, looks like a big a big trailer park. Yeah, there's a yeah. They call it Nixonville, and they have a huge statue. It almost looks like a Bob's Big Boy statue, but it's a statue of Richard Nixon. Yeah. And it's it's where they kind of where the police go also to round up the usual subject or suspects. Yeah. Because they feel these people are also going to be very sympathetic mm-hmm. to this group called the Cavalry. Right. Now, of course, we know or we don't really know of any instance where white supremacists or any havens for them have been identified and have been uh, descended upon by law enforcement in this reality. Right. That doesn't exist. Correct. But we do know about uh, communities, minority communities, black or brown, where if something happens uh, or even immigrant communities, we could say that as well, where those communities become the focus of of a, a you know hyper police presence, um, so it's really you know it's still something to wrap around to see how these communities you know where you have the a, a white working class or not even working class right because they they appear to be more disenfranchised lower. yeah and right yeah and and it's 
and with that, it feels like the message that in this show that they're using yeah. is a message that people are spouting today because these are the people who are an anti-government, right, uh, right wing. Let's say your your Rush Limbaugh's, your your um, Alex, oh, Alex uh, Jones, Alex Jones types. Yeah, it's as if these people were more mobilized. But in today's world, uh, just because of how racism works, they are allowed to have these views, and and in a sense, they're be masked right. and and walk uh, without impunity. In mm-hmm. this world, it's as if if you are in that group, you found yourself in this lower this this lower state, mm-hmm. um, and, and 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 with this too, because they were so openly against the police, you have the police are more active to uh, react to them, because when in one part of the show, again, spoiler alert. A police officer gets killed. I'm not going to say who just yet. And right. then the police. This is why they go to Nixonville to try and find the suspects, and they and they do not hold back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's similar to how you might have looked back, let's say in the '60s, or let's say when they were maybe looking for members of the Black Panthers or things like that, where they would go into a black community and just destroy things and just to get a name. Yeah, yeah, because you know we've never seen the police apparatus right used or deployed in that manner, you know, against uh, any communities that were, um, of the that, were that were white. We've, yeah. We have not seen, you know. And so that's why I said it, t- it takes a minute for me as I'm watching it to really, you know, see what I'm, you know, to see yeah, what they're trying to uh, depict here. And then also having, you know, as I said, Regina King is the lead. You know, she's still on the job. As a police officer, she uh, she survived the the white night, and basically, you know, like you said, she, you know, she's running a bakery now, but she's a detective now. Yeah, again, there's so many things in this show. I think, especially the first episode, this that set up the environment. Yeah. One other thing that's really strange that I'm sure is going to play itself off is that they have an they have an event where it's like squid rain. Out of nowhere, it's just rain squid. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, what the heck? If you've read the graphic novel, how it ended, the idea was that this character, Ozymandias, mm-hmm. in order to bring the world together, wanted to stage a devastating event. You know, something like a, a modern-day 9-11. Well, not a modern-day, but a 9-11 type event, right. of event. And so for him, it was supposed to be an alien attack that would devastate millions, and then the world would come together. Mm-hmm. And so what Ozymandias did is he was able to make a giant squid-looking alien that landed on New York City, killing millions. And then that was supposed to bring about world peace. Mm -hmm. So this was in the 80s during Watchmen, the show in this universe. So now, 30 years later, we still have remnants of this type of squid attack. And now they haven't made it clear whether this is on purpose or if it's or if it's because of the apparatus that uh, Ozymandias used. But it's just, just be aware that the squid attack is in reference to the original uh, Watchmen graphic novel. And so it's probably going to uh, be important as we watch the show. Okay. Ozymandias is Jeremy Irons. Correct. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I'm like squids. What the heck? You know, 
and it's it's okay. And, and people out there, it's okay if you're lost a little bit because you know the Watchmen narrative is a bit deep. Again, you can watch a show without knowing, but just to know some of the background. I mean, they offer courses. They offer college courses on Watchmen. Really? Yeah, they do. They do. Okay, there is something that folks who've seen the movie, like myself, uh, but did not read the graphic novel, mm-hmm. were a little thrown by. And that's the Rorschach, um, you know, using that as a symbol for the, uh, for the white nationalists, right? Um, in the movie, Rorschach, you know, he's one of the Watchmen. He's one of the good guys. He's, you know, he's a conflicted soul. Right. But he is, we'd still classify him as a good guy. How did, how did they end up adopting his persona or his representation? Now, yeah, so full disclosure, HBO had a little supplemental information for people who are interested in the show. So the huh. story behind this is okay. that if you remember the movie, uh, Rorschach is chronicling or taking notes on everything that's happening right. so he sends his notes to this to a newspaper and it was called um uh, the new frontiersman in that world it's it's a conservative paper mm-hmm. and the guy who who gets it is one of the a low-level editor uh once they see it they republish it now this is what happens in this world uh the publisher though is again someone He's a conservative. He's like a uh, like a Rush Limbaugh, yeah, or Robert Isles. You know, he he's very conservative. He uses Rorschach's words in order to shape his own agenda and then push his publication. Okay. So, in the supporting documents documentation that the HBO gave, they were saying that this New Frontiersman at that time was sort of like the Weekly World News or the National Enquirer. Right. Well, if we look at reality, mm-hmm. 2016, the National Enquirer or Weekly World's News. And just remember, in 2016, the National Enquirer played a huge part in a certain person getting elected president. Right. So they defined the words or the message. This is the New Frontiersman of Rorschach's journal. And they made it something where it was about standing up to the liberal elite and that liberal elite who's trying to keep you down and take all your rights away took the form of, or they blamed it on, President Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so then that's, this, these followers then started putting on the, the, Rorschach, the Rorschach masks. And, and, and what they took from Rorschach is that he, though, stood against the, the machine. You know, he, he was a loner. Even though he was a watchman, he made those people saying that, stay the truth and he in a sense brought them down right. so they took that as far as we need to stand against the or the stand against the government stand as individuals but the paper who published this stuff put it in the in the framework of white nationalism and that's how mm. they ended up taking Rorschach's message and his mask and using that to embody their message okay all right so the the, the supplemental is definitely worth watching it is it is okay all right so what was uh, uh, what did you think about just overall uh, how they presented uh, that those first two episodes? Overall, I mean, I think the first two episodes are great, and it's again just the way we're talking about it, and we barely gotten five minutes in. We're just right. the things that we're right. talking about are just the world, the environment they built. Um, the story is great. You've got some amazing actors that you want to see again. I mean, 
we're going to see a lot more of Luke Gossett Jr., which I'm really happy about. Yes. I mean, he, he plays a pivotal role. Yeah. So, yeah, I, it's definitely something that you if you can see it, watch it. You're going to want to watch it over because they've got a lot of Easter eggs in there mm-hmm. for you. Again, you don't need to check out the graphic novel or the movie, but, you know, it's, it's always a fun ride. One of the uh, one of the things I, I love, and I almost feel a little, like, reductive to, to, to say that one of the, the best things I like about his performance is his delivery, his voice. But I love Tim Blake Nelson's uh, – I love the way – I love his drawl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, he plays um, – um, I don't know his character. Uh, X-ray. Okay. X-ray. I think that that's his uh, his character, and he wears this. You talk about inventive ways of uh, of covering up uh, their faces. He basically looks like he's got, he's got on this reflective. Oh, no, it's actually it's looking glass. Oh, he his looking. That's his character. Looking his, glass. His name is Looking Glass. Okay. Oh, the was the name of the first episode. X-ray. The name was of the fr- well the first episode because I'm a Oklahoma fan yeah. was. Um, it's summer and we're running out of ice. That was the name of the episode. They did show that. What is X-ray then that that came up? Hmm. You know what? I think what? it might have been. Um, it had something to do with like if you pause and I was watching it on Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's yeah, that's yeah. Oh, that's Prime. So X-ray is that that service. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's his, what it his was. name is Looking Glass. But as you're talking about his mask, mm-hmm. makes perfect sense because the mask is yeah, that's what like I was thinking. It's mirrored. Yeah, so he's got some type of ability. Once again, we've already told you, spoiled milk or milk on a hot plate. We're giving spoilers here. Mm-hmm. He has some kind of ability that allows him to see into people. Yeah, and that's what I'm not quite sure about. But in this world, yeah. people do have psychic abilities. Okay. So he probably is one of those uh, types. And again, I was all caught up on the squid. <laughs> so I didn't, that's, but that's, I mean, there's a lot, of, you know, you're going to want to go, go in deep. Yeah. Uh, even if you haven't seen the stuff before, just to figure out what the nuances with the characters. But uh, yeah, all the, all these other cops who wear these masks over their face, they have funny names. There's Red Scare, Russian sounding guy. Uh, and I know him. I, I know him from something else. I just, and I didn't bother to look. Uh, you know, to see who he was, and but they had a I know his lady. voice. And and the, and the panda, panda, yeah, yeah. <laughs> panda. He's he's a funny character. I like him. Uh, you know, um, I'll just say this: I don't like him. I, I don't like him because you know that's the kind of guy who who has gotten and is probably going to get more people killed. Yes, yes, but it's yeah. <laughs> but, you know, something funny is gonna when panda's involved in the show. You know, something's about to happen. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, th- there are these great subplots uh, that are going on uh, that they're laying the, the groundwork for. Uh, Louis Gossett Jr. is definitely a, a part of that. And then, you know, like some of the technology that they introduce. Oh yeah. Oh, and just since I'm just gonna throw out a spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Louis Gossett Jr.'s character is really important because he is one of the survivors right. of the Tulsa massacre. Right. And he happens to be uh, Regina King's estranged grandfather yeah. that she didn't know she had. He's 105 years old. And I'm waiting. I feel like there's a there's a big ploy that's going on because he's, he's wheelchair-bound. Yeah. Right? But... I don't think he's will. Yeah, I know. I expect him to have some sort of power. Yeah, like he's like he's really really strong, 
or or something. You know, I'm just waiting. There's, to see. Yeah, there's definitely you can't have him there and, and just waste his character with a few idle comments. I, I want to see more of Lewis right, Gossett right. Jr. Yeah, so I, I think they're off to a, I mean, to a really good start. Um, you know, with what they've they've given us thus far. And it's it's gonna start a lot of conversation. Just one last thing I want to throw out to yeah. like comic book world. It's mm-hmm. one thing I noticed that in some worlds it was getting a negative feedback, and really? I it was it was. And, and personally, I think this goes back to a trend in sort of fanboyism and that sort of thing, where there is latent racism in there. Yeah. So I feel a show that started off with something that was about Black history and then they, in a sense, had the world apologetic to apologize for this moment. Yeah. Which, I mean, again, acknowledges that something wrong happened. I feel like these people wanted to say this is preachy and we don't like it. And so it started to get some negative reviews. But but this is something you'll find in different aspects of different sci-fi, Star Wars, Star Trek, anything else, that when you start including characters that are not, that are the other. Yeah that then the traditional fanboy is going to react negatively. Mm-hmm. Now, we were talking earlier. You said something similar happened with uh, Star Wars. Yes. Um, so in Star Wars, they introduced a character by the name of Rose Tico, played by an Asian actress, and she received incredibly harsh uh, uh, feedback or blowback from a lot of the fanboys. And who didn't want to accept her character and because she was Asian because she was Asian and female, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's it's like the double whammy for some of these people. Mm -hmm. They only want to see can like some Aryan guy with a, with a lightsaber, but no, it it was very devastating for her as an actress Mm -hmm. uh, just because she put her heart and soul into this character and into that uh, franchise and to get such an unwarranted negative response. And this is, again, something that is not uncommon. You see it in, this. it's part of the culture. You see it in gaming. You see it in sci-fi, all that type of things. Mm-hmm. So when you sometimes expand that world in, of inclusion and include more, there are people, again, who feel like their their base or their their hold on something is being is being taken away. So if you're gonna, if you're eating what's left for me. Yeah, they always believe it's a zero sum game. Yeah. So they so they don't want other people to infringe on their world. So it's so I think there's a little bit of that going on in with Watchmen. But have you heard anything about? Um, have you heard any negative responses to Regina King's uh, presence or role? I've only heard no, no, nothing negative specifically, but it's more like scores. So you'd, some of the audience reactions and things like that have been lower, where the critics have really loved it. Right. And with this, I feel, after I watched the episode, and it was really a solid show. And, I, yeah, and, I'm, and yeah. I'm a hater. <laughs> I'm, I'm a hater, I'm going to tell you. Like, even if I really... I'm going to hate on a lot of things. Yeah. I can't hate on this. Yeah. This is solid from head to toe. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, I was going to hate on Watchmen the movie because, you know, Zack Snyder, <laughs> he's all right. He, now, he directed uh, Superman, right? He did that. Yeah, the, well, the new one, and then he kind of destroyed the DC universe. Yeah. But, so, I mean, I'm not above <laughs> hating for the right reason. Right, right, right. But on the same vein, if it's good, it's good, and this is good. Yeah, you know what is funny? Um, 
on social media, Twitter uh, particularly, mm-hmm. I saw quite a few responses from uh, from white people who they their responses were like astonishment. First off, that they led with the Tulsa uh, massacre and saying like, like, wow, like I had no idea that this going on. And then asking other folks uh, and by name, just saying straight out, uh, white folks, did you also not know about this? Right. So f- for me, it was uh, that was a response that was more about um, kind of just coming into conversation with the way education has been. Uh, deployed in this country and, and or the I, lack of education yeah and I, and I think and that's what I think is great about this show because it it touches on a again a piece of history that we don't that we never really discuss and mm-hmm. it's really important to get these get these moments out there especially in a world where and and and, and I forgot at that time we just had our president talking about people getting lynched or him feeling like he was lynched. And then that same week, we discuss, we're showing the lynchings. Right. And uh, you could not have, you couldn't have planned a better juxtaposition of this warped reality that we have right now mm-hmm. versus this fantasy that is more telling. Um, and just so when our president had claimed to have been this, a victim, mm-hmm. and then we saw a dramatization, but this is what happened to real victims. Right, right. Uh, I, I thought that was really a great place to start a conversation. Yeah. And using something, like this is why I love science fiction. Mm-hmm. Because you can have these what ifs and make up whatever you want to, but it still is rooted in true emotion. Right. And true angst. And so, yeah, we got to. And we bring all we, we bring all of that with us to that viewing experience. And, um, yeah, and I think that, yes, it's definitely entertaining. Uh, and, and, and there's an educative uh, uh, an educative component to this as well, like we said, because it's an alternate reality. So they're changing the present, but it's all it's all rooted in things that that we know about. So when we talk about class, we talk about race, we talk about um, uh, police, you know, uh, not just police violence, but just the way we interact with police uh, and, you know, and so many other things. I think that we bring our, uh, you know, our, our lived experiences to that. So somebody who who comes from a community that we would traditionally say is uh, over-policed, or has dysfunctional police community relations. When they see something like this, now they see the main character, the main police officer that the story seems to is going to revolve around. This is somebody that would come from one of those communities, right? right? But so now she's the so now, you know, she elicits our empathy, right? Now we we now we we team police now. Right. And and and, and then in today's idea of wokeness and political correctness or what's the right type of conservatism yeah i think they did a nice subtle job of twisting a lot of these views where you you really can't be on one side or another right now you even yeah. though you it's think difficult you, yeah even though you think you have this and when i say a prejudice not in the sense of racial prejudice but just in the in the true sense of prejudice as in I have an idea of something in my mind before going into it. Right. You really have to drop all of that because they flipped this and massage this, the society. 
Yeah. Where you see so you, you can't approach it the way you would something today. Here's something else. As, as African-Americans, this, here's something else for uh, folks to consider, right? Non-African Americans. Uh, no, 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 no. Let me let me back that up. This is actually for African Americans. It is for everybody but uh, but white folks to consider. When you look at Nixonville, you think about that. I think it was the opening scene with the uh, young white boy who asked if she paid for her bakery with red predations, mm-hmm. and the the disgust in his voice. Uh, and look at this area. This looks like a big trailer park where you have people who are look to be out of work or living, you know, they're they not living good at all. And the, 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 the dissatisfaction and the frustration that they have, which is, which to me I, I picked up was, who is going to address our concerns? Nobody, yeah. right, we, we're watching people over here who are the benefit beneficiaries of something that happened before we were here, we had nothing to do with, mm-hmm. right? And they got a leg up. Who's going to do something for us? So this resentment that's built in, and it's also a detachment, right? They don't see themselves as being, I'm not privileged. I live in a doggone trailer park, right? right? right. Or I'm underemployed or unemployed. Very real conversations uh, that that very much mirror what folks in those positions today uh, you know, what, what they say when, when we talk about reparations now, right? So I, I think there's no there's no definitive, you know, like you walk away with an answer, but it it does present it in a way where you would, I think you can at least ask the question, at least understand the frustration and the even the anger that 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 group, you know, does have. Yeah, yeah, they definitely, that's, that's just going back to what I really like. Yeah. They, they really did a good job of framing it and making that world work. All these issues you see, yeah, you can have an emotional response to it, so you can feel it. Right. It's a little different, I mean, than what you're experiencing right now, but it does make you have questions, and you can have a discussion. It, it promotes discussion and, again, entertaining television. Yeah, and, and, on, and on the other side of that, I'll close, this, close it out by saying, uh, I was, man, I was like, they gave these people reparations? Awesome. Right. It's the right thing to do. I mean, I can understand uh, other viewpoints. I'm able to, to, to look at that. But, man, it's the responsible thing to do. And at least to see it in uh, in an alternate <laughs> reality. And I guess I'd say, like, who's watching The Watchmen? This guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These two guys. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, so you, you heard it here. We both are uh, to some degree gushing over it, um, you know, just as a, you know, as a series, the first two episodes, you know, that have come out. Uh, but also, I think more importantly, the conversations that it's going to facilitate. And hopefully we can go beyond the emotional response. Uh, I think that's going to be really important. Yeah. Right. And cool. I'm proud, like, we barely gave out any spoilers. We, we really did. Yep. So it's just, yeah, check it out. Check yeah. it out. It is worth uh, checking out. So let us know what you think. Hit us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Radio Islam USA. Uh, if you have any comments that you'd like to make that you don't want to, uh, to uh, relegate to social media, you can send us an email at radio, uh, producer at radioislam.com. That's producer at radioislam.com. All right, so signing off 
for uh, Bubba and myself. Well, you can sign off. You can say goodbye if you like. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, uh, this show, this segment has been produced by us. All right? That's right. By us. Uh, our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. We remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Salvage Foundation. With that, we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.